0: Now for those of us who wanted more though than the physical. Nothing wrong with uh, everything that I've mentioned and they are good uh, desires and we as God's people should indeed desire those things as well. But uh, there is a group of uh, us uh, who wanted more. Who wanted more uh, to uh, more than the physical. Uh, indeed to be serious followers of Christ. Uh, We desire not only uh, to be a a nominal Christian, if you like. We wanted to live a a spirit-filled, fruitful uh, life. Uh, One that that exhibits love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, uh, that is, gentleness, kindness, uh, goodness, faith, uh, uh, meaning faithfulness, uh, meekness, temperance, and self-control. Uh, It's amazing how as we go through the life, uh, our journey through life in our Christian lives, our our priorities change, uh, the things that we used to uh, be content with. Uh, And I I know we are being told and taught uh, in the Scripture that we are to be living our lives with content. And if uh, if you look at Paul's life, uh, he is, all of that, he is content. But there's one thing that he's not content with, and that is his relationship with God. For him to live is Christ. And that living is ever knowing the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so for us, uh, that's our desire, I'm sure. Uh, we want to live a joyful, trouble-free relation, <coughs> trouble-free relationship life. Uh, by that, uh, I mean we do not desire conflicts uh, or any of those. And yet, at least in this life, we have to wrestle with those things, amen. Uh, we have to uh, contend with loving our enemies because we're commanded to love our enemies as, uh, as indeed the Bible asks us to. Now it seems difficult and even impossible to do these things many a times. And so as we go through these series, I'd like to remind you again my motivation. As your pastor, what, uh, what was the reason? What, why do I feel compelled to uh, preach in this series? Uh, and that reason is how can we actually put on these, uh, what I call, garments of grace uh, uh, when we uh, ourselves are contending with our own mortality? When we ourselves are contending with our old man, our old nature, the flesh that is in us. The natural man. The carnal man in, at, at times. Uh, and so, but uh, beloved, be encouraged. Be encouraged. Second Peter tells us that the grace and peace be to those who have obtained the precious faith through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, beloved, that's you and me. That's you and me. We have obtained the righteousness, not that there is righteousness in us, nothing. But we have been imputed the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so how is that fruitfulness in grace and peace uh, be multiplied? Uh, Indeed, the Bible says through the knowledge of God uh, and Jesus our Lord. But again, as I said previously, uh, my goal, our goal, our desire for this series is just not to know. And many of us can quote the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, da 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 But if that's all there is about the fruit of the Spirit, beloved, tonight, I'd like us not just to know, but to be. To be. To know not just the what, but the Why? and how to live live out the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. My desire, my prayer, and how I want to preach this series is really not about informational, but rather relational. Uh, We can go to a decent bookstore and pick up a book about the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, We can uh, search through the net and there is plenty, a plethora of materials about the fruit of the Spirit. But uh, for us and our purposes, we want to uh, not just know, uh, not just be um, in the know, the information aspect of it, uh, not just the outward, but rather the inward focus of these. And so I don't have time to really go back to the last two sermons I preached about this and really the introduction. Uh, You can, of course, uh, go to our website uh, and review those. Uh, But for tonight, I'd like us to consider the first one, love. Mm. Love being one of the traits of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, of course, is our uh, text, our uh, main text for this series. And that uh, we have read this previously uh, plenty of times. But tonight, I'd like us to go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, and if you're able, would you stand with me? Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to read from verse 1. Colossians chapter 3, beginning here in verse 1. If ye then be reasoned with Christ... Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall he also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil conscupience, uh, um, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all this anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Mouth. Lie not one to another, (coughs) seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. (coughs) Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, Circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness uh, of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And verse 14, and above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Father, thank you once again for the opportunity to preach your word, to serve you in this way. Thank you for each one that's here, that uh, indeed, Father, um, um, uh, thought it, Uh, a priority, uh, important to be in the house of worship, to fellowship with the saints, indeed to be uh, taught and and hear your words uh, preached. And uh, Father, again, I I ask uh, that uh, your will and way be accomplished in us. And Lord, teach us your truths tonight. And Lord, as we learn them, that we would apply it in our lives. Thank you, Father, for the good worship thus far. And again, we ask that... uh, uh, our desire is <coughs> that everything that we have said and done uh, in, and throughout this day uh, which is about to end Father may they all be pleasing uh, acceptable in thy sight and indeed Father you would have been pleased with us not just because we turned up but Father that uh, indeed uh, it is our, our yearning and our desire to know more of you and so we can live uh, more uh, like you. We realize, oh, Father, we understand our failings. We already know uh, that uh, we are not always able uh, to live up to the vocation where which you have called us. Uh, but we also know, Father, that you are a, a loving uh, and forgiving God. Uh, help us not to be licentious in that. Uh, Father, that we would realize that uh, when sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Uh, But that doesn't mean, Father, that we would not desire uh, to live a life that is pleasing before you. So tonight, uh, as we look at this matter about love being a fruit or part of the fruit of the Spirit, meet with us, teach us again. And I pray, Lord, that uh, your will and way be accomplished in us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, It's interesting that when Paul uh, mentioned the various godly traits, uh, uh, he called the fruit of the Spirit as a whole, he wrote love being on top of that list. Love being on top of that list. Now, I believe he did this to highlight or to emphasize its importance. After all, love is the base, the foundation, uh, if you like, for which all the other godly traits uh, can grow from uh, uh, and for all the others to be in perfect harmony and unity together. Now, as we learned previously, devotion to God is the main motivation acceptable to Him, thank you, dear, uh, for the development uh, and exercise of our Christian character. Excuse me. For the development and exercise of our Christian character. That feels good. Thank you, Bianca. But that devotion is manifested and is expressed uh, in us loving one another. Simply put, our declaration of our devotion to God is validated, is proven by our love for the brethren. 1 John 4.20, a verse that really uh, gets to me every time. It tells us clearly, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath sinned, how can he love God whom he hath not sinned? And this commandment have we from him. That he who loveth God love his brother also. Oh, my dear ones, there's a lot in there. Uh, when we read that, let's not just casually read. Uh, it's a confession time here. Uh, many a times, uh, I have to really think, I really have to do some soul searching, some real examining of heart uh, when we got to by this time, the aged apostle John, he would have seen a lot. He would have lost his companions in the ministry. Uh, at this time, uh, writers tell us that he is uh, in exile in the Isle of Patmos. Uh, he is now uh, the only one existing. And so we always say that the words uh, of those that uh, Um, are in their last days, if you like, are precious. They mean so much. Can I say this to us, folks? We cannot truly love God without loving one another. To not love another is basically us saying, Lord, I don't love you enough to love that other person. I understand. Uh, this is not easy. And this is not as simple as I'm stating it to you. I understand that strug- the struggle we all have in loving a difficult person. What I'm talking about here is that attitude of not wanting to. Uh, Of just being content to allow ourselves to not love. To no longer be challenged or be hard-hearted about it. Basically giving up. You're too difficult for me, so I'll just write you off. I'll just endure you. I'll just be civil to you. But to love you? Different story. Matthew 22, 37, please. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Now notice what he said after this. And the second is what? Like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And then the Lord concluded. On these two commandments. Hang all the law. And the prophets. Can we actually see? What the Lord said here? That if we are to love Him with all our hearts, with all our soul, and with all our minds, included in the all beloved, is loving our neighbor, is loving that other person. And yes, difficult as they may be. Think of 1 Corinthians 13, the most common passage about love. I used a portion of it at Ben and B's wedding yesterday. Again, let's continue to pray for them, yeah? As uh, they set out to be as husband and wife. Um, weddings are precious. Uh, it reminds you of, of your time. And when you yourself stood there, declared your vows, you. Promise your love to each other. And so uh, as uh, they take time to uh, consummate their uh, marriage and uh, also to uh, really get to know each other uh, in the most uh, intimate and meaningful way, and I'm not just talking about what that means for the common man. Uh, it's them coming together as one. You see, the vow that we all took when we before the, the pastor and the preacher that's a vow taken in faith they haven't lived together yet they're finding that out now how it is to, to love each other for better for worse uh, Dean has given us a little bit of an insight about Ken uh, Dog uh, but uh, B is now experiencing what those things are so pray for them but if we would just rephrase this virtue of love as it is written by Paul uh, and, and make it as a, as a list perhaps of a, a motivational statements for us to, to, to love another person, it would look something like this. I am or will be long-suffering to you, we, or patient with you because I love you. And I want to forgive you now that, you know, Zoe has done anything to me. Okay, I'm just saying that. I am or will be kind to you, Joshua, because I love you and I want to help you. Can you see when you're making it as a motivational statement? I do not or will not be envious or jealous of you, Paul, of your possessions, your gifts, because I love you and I will genuinely want to do the best for you. I do not or will not boast or be proud of my achievements to you, Benji, because I love you and would rather hear of your achievements rather than mine. See how it's different? I am or will not be proud uh, because I love you and wanted or will want to esteem you, Peter, better than myself. I am not rude or will not be rude to you, Tim, because I love you and care or will care about your feelings. Ooh. I am not or will not be selfish. Or self-seeking, Ricardo, because I love you, will want to meet your needs first. Ryan, I will not be easily provoked or be angry at you easily because I love you. And will try to bear your offenses toward me. Darling, I will not record of your wrongs because I love you, and love covers a multitude of sins. Oh, my dear ones, if we can only see or express love in this manner, we will understand that love is not so much of a character trait only but a choice. You get that? It's not just a character trait, but a choice. A choice, a disposition that results in an action. I'm choosing to love you, Samantha Gonzalez. Again, I would like to remind us all that the fruit of the Spirit is not something that we can just manufacture ourselves. It is endowed upon us only uh, by no other than God himself, who not only is our greatest example, the epitome of love, but God himself is love. God is love. Love is his nature. He was love long before he said, let there be light. You see that? He was love and is and forever will be love. And as I said, He is love before He said, Let there be light. He is the very essence of love. And so again, my purpose, our purpose in learning or relearning about the fruit of the Spirit is not just to know, but to be. So if loving God and others are the greatest of His commandment, and if this to be our priority in our devotion to Him, how are we to express love? Again, 1 Corinthians 13 comes to mind. A description of what love is with faith, hope, and charity, love being the great test. However, let me introduce to you a couple of passages that also gives us the essence of love. There are other passages rather than 1 Corinthians 13. And let me give you two, 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 to 18, and then 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. Now allow me to put some structure for uh, these passages as we consider them. Firstly, love gives no matter what the cost is. Love gives no matter what the cost is. First John chapter three, verse 16. Let's just uh, quickly go there. First John chapter three, verse 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us, and here it is, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. The idea here is loving and perhaps even losing our lives because of it. A hefty price to pay, amen. But that's exactly what God had to do. To rescue us from the pits of hell. Uh, He gave, John 3.16. Okay, not just gave, he gave his only begotten son to die that we may live. Now in the same context, we are to give our lives or be prepared to lay out our lives uh, down for the brethren. Now I don't know about you. That overwhelms me. That seems impossible to fulfill. Now before we raise our hands. And in, 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 in surrender. And uh, pastor I'm sorry. I, I, I can't. Uh, I'd die for my wife. I'd die for my own children. But I'm sorry. I, I cannot say that I'll die for the brethren. Now, before we sort of surrender and say it can't be done, notice the practical application of this love. Look at verse 17. First John chapter 3, verse 16, we just read. But look at the contrast here. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Hmm. Laying down our lives for the brethren, putting love into practice, beloved, is sharing, or one of the manifestation of that, is sharing our worldly goods to those who have needs, and not shutting compassion. That means not withholding. Over the course of our time away, Sherry and I have uh, once again been exposed to some needs. Uh, I said it again this morning. Some physical, emotional, mental, and as well as spiritual needs. When you are made aware of the average minimum wage is 500 pesos a day. Which is $14.30 Australian. You quickly understand the need. This is, of course, for people who have a job to go to. Understand, $14.30 a day for many of you is, is not money. Many of us will earn it in less than an hour. For many, in their millions, however, it means literally their existence. you look around you and you wish you could do something. Well, beloved, if you are to exercise love, you'll be compassionate to give and not withhold. You will give whatever the cost. And in this case, you lay down your life by giving of your worldly goods so that someone can have a meal that day. Before I went home, I uh, I said, I'm going to buy this. I'm going to look for this. It's probably cheaper there. You know, I've been wanting to do this. We've uh, saved up, of course, to uh, go there and uh, I'm not embarrassed to admit this, and I don't want to embarrass you. Some of you gave us money to, to help in the trip, my children. Some of you saints who the Lord knows. Can I assure you that whatever you've given us, we, we passed it on. It fed some hungry people. So thank you thank you that you've allowed us to be able to give through your own giving to us in second corinthians chapter 8 and 9 the macedonian believers did the same you know they gave out of their deep poverty they gave what they are able And beyond, I hope you can see that, beyond what they are able to do in the midst of their affliction, in the midst of their deep poverty. They gave beyond their power to the poor saints in Jerusalem. But laying our lives for others does not always mean dollars and cents. Turn to Philippians Chapter Two. Philippians Chapter Two. Philippians Chapter Two. Here in uh, verse uh, eighteen to twenty one. Philippians chapter 2 verse 18, for the same cause also do ye, uh, do ye um, joy and rejoice with me, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. And here it is. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your estate. For all seek their own and not the things which are Jesus Christ. You see, many times, it's a listening ear, a word of encouragement, a helping hand. Just the same These require us laying our lives for the brethren. It's giving of ourselves. It's giving of our time. Uh, It's giving of our attention. And most of all, our heart. Paul recognized Timothy as such. I have no man, he says, like-minded that will really care for you. Meaning sincerely care for your sake. And then verse 21, he says, For all see their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. Now I've learned and continuously learning in people that if you or me, If our heart is not in it, whether it's giving money, or whether it's providing manpower, or whatever is needed to be done, if if that person's heart is not in it, he'll never do it. He'll never give. Or exercise love for that matter. At the very least, he will do it out of compulsion. I will do it out of compulsion. But not out of concern. He will do it out of duty. Not out of pity, as the Apostle John encourages us to do. Oh, my dear ones. We cannot take a genuine and sincere interest or love another as did Timothy unless we are willing to give of ourselves first. The second passage, apart from 1 Corinthians 13, when we consider love, biblical love, is found in 1 John, go back there please, this time in chapter 4. First John chapter four, in verses nine to eleven. First John four nine to eleven. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son. There it is again, into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. Past tense. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, so loved us, see the emphasis there, we ought also to love one another. Once again, we see here God giving his son to die that we may live. It's very clear in the two passages and even indeed in 1 Corinthians 13. Now in the previous passage, we learned love is giving. Here we will see that love is forgiving. God took the initiative, did you notice? He sent his son to atone, to redeem us. He, being love personified, gave, demonstrated, acted out his love. By sacrificing his son. So he can forgive us. Go figure that. Hey, we are the ones that disobeyed. We are the ones that have gone our own way. Uh, We are the ones who have offended and sinned against him. Yet, you find the Lord all the way back at the garden. Seeking, Adam, where art thou? It's not as if he doesn't know where he is. He is God omniscient. But he wants to demonstrate to us many generations after that the Lord is in the seeking business so that he can forgive. By that time, he already knew that Adam messed up. He didn't say, where are so I can clip your ears, you know? He wasn't looking for Adam so he can spank him or give him a, a, a dressing down. No, beloved. He was seeking for him because he wants to forgive him. That's the love of God. And so he is still seeking today that which was lost. Why? So he can forgive them. So that they can be reconciled back to himself. So that one day, and here it is, one day that he can present unto himself a church that is without spot, without wrinkle. But who is making that church to be without spot, Is it the pastor of the church? Is it the Sunday school teachers? No. It's he himself who is sanctifying that church so that he can present it to himself, a glorious church without spot, without wrinkle. Oh, I am amazed even more of the love of God. Oh, my dear ones, love is forgiving. And again, I do not pretend to not understand that forgiving somebody is easy. But we cannot ignore verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Many times we want to exact justice for the wrongs done unto us. We demand the very last drop of repentance and remorse from the erring one. Do you realize that God did not do that to us? Instead, He gave us grace Instead, he gave us mercy, mercy in withholding what we deserve, and grace giving us what we do not deserve. He didn't ask us to clean ourselves and get our act together before he would forgive us, did he? But God commendeth, prove his love in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He demanded justice for sin. Yes, that's true. He required a propitiation for sin. He will not wink at sin. He will not pass at sin. It is putrid to him. It is offensive to him. He demanded justice for sin. But he demanded it from himself through his son dying at the cross. Not really for himself, but for the sins of humanity. For the sins of the world. That again through and by his love. He can forgive. I say it again as the apostle said. Beloved if God so loved us. We ought also to love one another. Love is forgiving. And thirdly as we close. Love is reaching out. Reaching up, what does this mean? It means biblical love is not just emotions or feelings, but rather attitudes and actions. That seeking, that reaching out for the best interest of another, regardless of how we feel about him or her. Love, biblical love is very much a matter of actions rather than emotions. That said, let us not go, however, in the other extreme by thinking that love does not involve emotions. That is entirely an act of the will, out of duty, regardless of how one feels. Now this concept, if you're going to buy into that, falls into I can love him, but I can't like him philosophy. You wouldn't marry Iris if you're not emotionally uh, making that choice to love her, right? There was emotions in there. The concept of this, I can love him, but I can't like him philosophy, there's no biblical support for this. It's an ideology, But what does the Bible say? number one. 1 Peter 1.22 Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. That's genuine love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart. And then it says fervently. That's emotions, beloved. Romans 12.10 Be kindly affectioned. One to another with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. Maybe you're not aware, but there are two churches that caused Paul much grief Corinth, Galatia. It's amazing that we are getting our text and our study from a church that caused Paul much grief. Perhaps that's the reason why he wrote it to them. Turn to Second Corinthians chapter two, verse four, and um, <laughs> forbear with me. I haven't been the pulpit for a while, so uh, I think I'm losing track of time here. Second Corinthians chapter two, uh, verse four. I-, I promise I'll be quick. Here is Paul write- writing to the church at Corinth. Uh, first Second Corinthians uh, chapter two, verse four. He said, "For out of much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote unto you with many tears, not that ye should be grieved, but that ye might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. Much affliction, anguish of heart, with many tears. And yet Paul wrote to them so that they may know his love for them. Some confession time here. Like, like I said, I've been in, uh, i preached in three churches where I was away. And um, I have to tell you that I was well received. I was well treated. I was well respected. I thought. I felt that the love, but as good as those were, I I cannot stop but think of you all here. I know you know that it's not always pleasant here. Many a times I I minister in grief, uh, from those who give me grief But in spite of that, I cannot wait to be back with you all. And I suppose to let you know how much I love you. And Paul did the same in this church at Corinth. That's given him much grief. Now turn to Galatians chapter 4. This time in verse 19. Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. My little children, he says, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you, I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice for I stand in doubt of you. Did you get that? Like I said, this is the church where there are some Judaizers which are teaching error. Uh, They have been attacking Paul, not just his person, but his preaching. Uh, They started well, but many of them are following these false teachers now uh, in mixing up law and grace. And they are being led into legalism. And yet, here is Paul wishing to be with them. In spite of the attacks. In spite of all the criticism, perhaps, that he gets out of his preaching. And who wants to be questioned about their preaching? After you spend hours and days to come up with a 40-45 minute, somebody smart comes to you You got that wrong. Um. Preacher so and so said it this way. I reckon he's right, you're wrong. Uh, who wants to be questioned? By the way, okay, when I say that, don't, don't uh, ever entertain your mind faster. You're not infallible. Yeah, I'm not. And by all means, please. Back it up. If you have something to say, make sure that you back backed up the scripture. I'll pull my head in and I'll say sorry and I'll recount it uh, in public if there's a need for that. So that's, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying you cannot question what anyone who stands behind this pulpit does. Okay? You remember there was a time someone was here and he spoke something and we have to clean it up afterwards. Okay, so that's not the issue. But what what I'm trying to say here is that uh, he wished to be with them. Uh, uh, In both of these difficult churches, he reached out to them in love. Again, over the course of my travels amongst churches, there is a commonality of congregants. Believers behaving unbecoming of a child of God. And mind you, pastors behaving unbecoming as well. So it's the same, okay? So, uh, believers behaving and becoming, pastors behaving and becoming, attacking each other. Now, who wants to be in that situation? He'd want to run away, quickly. But you know what? Paul and every well-meaning under-shepherd, not a hireling, okay? In spite of the attacks in spite of the travail of hearts and affliction, that person will wake up each day and continue to minister to his flock because he loves his Lord and he loves the people that his Lord loves. That's the only way to do it. Love is giving. Love is forgiving. Love is reaching out. And lastly, as we close, and if one is to really exercise this fruit of the Spirit... One must grow in love. First, I know you know this already, but it's worth repeating, and understanding that love—biblical love, godly love—can only be produced in our hearts, not by ourselves, but the Holy Spirit that indwells and lives within us. First Thessalonians four nine. Uh, We've been here before, notice, Paul said, but as touching, or that means concerning brotherly love, ye need not I, Paul, to write unto you, uh, uh, Paul said, for ye yourselves are what? Ye are taught of God to love one another. Uh, And as true as that is, the very next verse, and indeed ye do it toward all the brethren, which are all in Macedonia, But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase. There's your growing there. That you increase uh, more and more. And so growing in love is both the endowment of the Holy Spirit in us, as he works and sacrifices, as well as our obedience and submission to the sanctification process in becoming more and more and more like Christ. That's true. Another way of saying this is we are totally dependent upon his working in us, but we are also totally responsible for our own growth and development in the exercise, in the manifestation, in the action of our love to one another. Again, in the context of not just knowing what the fruit of the Spirit is, but actually being exercising, manifesting love, and growing in love as well, I have three suggestions for us, so this will be quick. First, as always, the Word of God. Let us saturate our hearts and our head with the Word of God. We see in His Word, the Lord, in how He demonstrated love to both the just and the unjust. Second, to grow in love, we must pray. Pray. Pray for what, Pastor? Pray for the Lord to work in our hearts to grow in love. You, still, you, you and I still need to yield, you see. We still need to desire to grow in love. And so we pray 1 Thessalonians 3.12 And Lord, make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you, Paul said. And finally, for us to grow in love, we must obey what we already know. Uh, What we already know in and about love. The fact of the matter is, this subject is an age-old subject. Admonition to us as believers. And so if we are to grow in love. We must do what we've always known. There's the action. And so in closing beloved. God will do his part. Always. Guaranteed. He's always done it. And will continue to do so. Because he wants us to become. Gracious. Loving children of his the fruit of the spirit love on top of the list father thank you again for this time help us to indeed uh, not just know and not just understand but rather act on this matter of being loving uh, to you firstly and indeed to our neighbor So help us as we desire to do that. Uh, Give us opportunities to really put our faith into practice. Uh, To even reach out as we have learned. And really uh, give out uh, this love for our neighbors, for the brethren. To those firstly in the household of faith and those that are without So thank you for this time and for the good reminder to us. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.